innovation in the meetings industry is moving at a fast pace. New tools and creative solutions are making it easier than ever for planners to create impactful events and boost their bottom line. One area where technology has proved especially useful is helping planners better understand the preferences of attendees, from what messages drive registration, to the kind of programming they prefer, to how best to tailor next year's conference in order to grow attendance. For today's episode of Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals, we speak with a pair of experts who have their fingers on the pulse of how the industry is using tech and how planners can get more from their event technology, not only in the tools they use, but the venues and destinations they select. But first, this episode of Eventful is brought to you by Visit Seattle. Seattle is the nation's fastest growing tech hub for good reason. Not only is the city home to the world's two most valuable companies, Amazon and Microsoft, it's also home to 31 Fortune 500 research and development hubs and a thriving startup scene. Experience the determination and inspiration for yourself and learn more about placing your meeting in Seattle at visitseattle.org backslash meetings. My really big thing is taking everyday technology. What are the technologies that people are using in other industries and how we can apply them to the meetings and events industry? That's Keith Johnston, managing partner of i3 Events, a conference production company out of the Chicago area. But most people probably know Keith is the man behind Planner Wire, the blog and social handle covering the latest tech developments in the events industry. Project management software is a big one. There are lots of event-specific ones, but you know what? There are plenty of project management tools that aren't specific to the industry that are a lot cheaper and a lot more cost-effective, basically using that everyday technology that's out there for the event industry. What are some overall trends that you're seeing as far as how tech is being incorporated or whether it's tech that we're using in our daily lives that is now being applied to meetings? Uh, What are a couple other examples like that? Actually, a really good example is there are event management tools out there, and I and I won't go into specific brands or anything like that. But but we know that on on, on a cost basis, they are spectacularly expensive, especially for small and medium sized associations. Right, that that maybe they get a lot of their operating budget comes from their conference, so they can't be spending thousands and thousands of dollars on these tools. Well, you know what? How do we find the tools that they can use that'll at least get them in the ballpark? Part for what those tools provide. For project management, you know, there's there's a ton of them. You know, most meeting and event planners use Excel on a daily basis. And so they can jump into tools like Smartsheet, which is an Excel-like product that will allow them a lot of those project management functionalities, right? So they can bring in from their event registration software, they can actually have things automatically sent from their event registration software right into right into Smartsheet. So they're not downloading Excel spreadsheets and CSV files and things like that. And again, you know, on a cost per user basis, something like Smartsheet is only going to be $50, a $100 per month, whereas some of these other tools can be in the thousands of dollars. Meeting planners, you will pry Excel from their cold, dead keyboards. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and that's both a blessing and a curse, right? Even within our, o- our own organization, Excel is their tried and true friend. It is their best friend. They, they, they pretty much are with it 24 hours a day. And when you ask them to step out of that comfort zone and use other tools, and, and I'll use some of the commercially available, not the event-specific stuff, but, you know, if you move into a project management software like Asana or, or Trello, right, it's a very different way of thinking for them. 
And so it's a really hard to get them to use th those types of tools because Excel is just ingrained in their brains. It's comfortable and they will continue to use it forever. They're reluctant to try new things because they're already so busy, right? Why learn something new? This works. But because it works, it just works, and it doesn't do all this other stuff, they're unable to start collecting additional data and additional things about their attendees that could actually help them provide a better attendee experience. It seems like there's more and more tools now that are allowing planners to understand their attendees, whether that's from the pre-registration all the way through the event itself in even real time during the event to post. Is, is that something you're seeing, you know, a growing value in tech tools that can gather attendee data? You cannot put a price on data. We had talked about how can you read your attendees' minds. And the only way that you can do that is actually with data. And I think one of the things at least we're trying to communicate to, to our clients and anybody else who will listen is there are already tools out there on the market that other industries are using on a daily basis that really can allow you to understand what your attendees are thinking. It stretches from the day you launch your conference website all the way up to and including after that conference is over. There are a lot of just, I'll call them commercially available tools that are easy enough that they can be implemented almost immediately into the event lifecycle. So, so pre-event, there, there are a ton of tools that you can use. The day you launch your conference or event website, what can you do, right? So there are tools out there that are called heat maps. And what heat maps do is they allow you to see what visitors on your website are doing in real time. You can actually track the movements of people's mouse, mouses, mice, mouses, mice? Um, yeah. as they actually as, as they move across your screen, and and you can learn what they're clicking on. Here's a prime example: we actually had a conference website that went live, and we were actually watching it with heat maps. And after a couple of days, we noticed that every single person who was visiting, or almost every single person that was visiting the website, was clicking on a particular area that did not have any call to action, any button, right? It was just a picture. And that's what everyone was clicking on. And so we were like, oh, they actually want something to be there. Looking at the image, we kind of inferred what they what they wanted. And so we actually made that image clickable and we made it clickable to a, a page on the website. And then from there, they went on to register. And what they found was registrations actually went up by about 10% simply because people wanted to click a certain spot. Heat map tools are pretty much a dime a dozen. You know, there's a fantastic one called Crazy Egg. 10 minutes to put onto the website, and then you can actually start seeing what people are doing as they visit the website. A few other things that you can do pre, and this one really goes into, into reading people's minds, are called pixels. Google has a pixel and Facebook has a pixel. And these are itty bitty little pieces of code that you put behind a website that allows you to, for lack of a better term, chase people around the internet. I hear it all the time. People are like, you know, my phone is listening to me because, you know, I, we were talking about something or I was doing something and all of a sudden I see ads for whatever it was I was talking about popping up everywhere. Well, the reality is your phone probably isn't listening to you. Um, but what these things are, are if you have someone that, that visits your website and they click on a particular session or they once they go back to other places on the internet, you can actually start to follow them and be presenting information, again, that, that they want to see, like if they clicked on a particular, let's say, a, a, you know, a track or something like that, you know, you can then follow them to Facebook and keep giving them information about that track or about the conference, whatever it happens to be. 
and then to other websites as well. So as people start to visit other websites, you can start to keep hitting them with information, you know, again, that they were interested in. And somebody once said to me, they were like, you know, privacy and this and that and the other thing. And my point to that is, you know what, I would rather be have advertisements serve to me that I want to see rather than random stuff. For the basic day-to-day stuff, yeah, I would much rather have an ad serve to me for a conference that I actually want to attend and maybe I've been think, debating about attending it. I, you know, I keep seeing it and it keeps jogging that memory. And then you get into the conference itself and there are a million ways you can kind of follow your attendees and know what they're doing. Here's a prime example of that. Take RFID or Beacon Technology, however it is, um, that you're tracking your attendees once they're actually at the event. And I will say that 95% of all conferences fail at knowing what their attendees' needs are because they don't look at the data. And they want to, but they just don't have that. They get all this data and they, at the end of the conference, they kind of don't know what to do with it or they don't have the time to do anything with it. So, so I understand that this problem. But if you are able to actually dive into that data and you know that attendee A went to this session and this session and this session, for the following year, when you want that attendee to return, you can actually start serving them custom emails and that say, you know, you know that, that they wanted to go to a session on how this drug interacts with this. Well, next year you have an, a session on how this drug inter- interacts with that. Now you can actually let them know that that session is available and that these are things that they can do. As much data as you can gather, it might be overwhelming to know what to do with it. And how do planners deal with that if they have just so much information? One of the ways that we, that we deal with it is we actually say, don't collect all the data. Or if you're going to collect all the data, know what you want your end result to be. And that way you don't perhaps look at all of the data that you collect at the end, right? You you have to have a goal in mind. If you're collecting all this information, I I would argue, yeah, it is better to collect more than less. But if you know that you're not going to, to deal with X segment of data this year, don't bother collecting it. Worry about the things that you can. And what are some of the top advantages of these kind of tools or or things that they can gather, the kind of information you can learn from your attendees that maybe a planner who's just kind of dipped their toe in this isn't aware that this kind of tool is available. So let's take beacons, for example, right? You're tracking your attendees, you know, all over the conference. If you only care about tracking people in sessions, in workshops that they've paid extra for, right? Only track that. Right, Because if you collect data then on all of the different sessions, then you're going to kind of be overwhelmed with the data. Right, You're going to say, oh my God, what do we do with this? If there's so much stuff here, I don't know what to do. And you'll get nothing done. You get analysis paralysis, where there's just so much data that you can't actually sit down and look at it. So you know, do what you can. You know, there, there is nothing wrong, I guess. Um, you know, I had someone, someone was telling me the other day, we were talking about their, their conferences, social media accounts, and they're like, you know, we're on Facebook and we're on LinkedIn and we know we need to be on Instagram, you know, but we just, we just don't have the bandwidth to do it. And I, and I said to him, then don't be on Instagram, right? If you, if you don't have the bandwidth, do what you can do when it comes to figuring out what all of your data means. And, and let me tell you, there are a million and one tools to actually analyze data. But again, don't overwhelm yourself to the point where you do nothing. At the very least, you, you have to start looking at, what, at, at least at what a segment or, or a portion of your attendees are doing. Or your conference is never going to change. Your event's never going to change. If you keep putting on the same event year after year after year, and you find that attendance is going down year after year after year, you have to know why. 
the only way to find out why is at least do the base. And to that point, even if it's as simple as basic link tracking, if you send out a marketing email and that goes out to all of your attendees and you know that they there, there were four links in that email and two of them got clicked got clicked on 98% of the time, don't send out those other two links ever again. Attendees do want something that's a little bit personalized and a, and a little bit in their own personal wheelhouse. If you're not looking at your data and you're not looking at what they're doing, then they're going to be less likely to click on and register for the events that you produce. What are some, some other valuable ways to, I guess, gather data as the event is unfolding? Well, I, you know, so while the event's going on, you know, anything that you can do that's passive, right? Where, where, you know, it's a beacon or RFID, whatever it happens to be that you're tracking people as they kind of move through the event is the best way. There are, there are other ways, right? You can use tools like Poll Everywhere, Slido, you know, anything like that to actually have attendee interaction and, and be getting immediate feedback about the event as it's going on. Um, there is one thing that, that, I absolutely love tools like Poll Everywhere, Slido, whatever they happen to be. I think that they 100%, 150% serve an amazing purpose. But I think one thing that planners forget or state, conference stakeholders forget is that humans are amazingly lazy. So getting them to do anything um, is really difficult. So understanding that you know if you put a poll up on the screen, you're not going to get 90% of the audience to actually respond to it. It's just never going to happen because you know what? That was going to require me to reach into my pocket and take out my phone, which I am not doing because I am lazy. So as long as you understand that, there's tons of ways. I was at the post office a couple of weeks ago at my local post office. As I'm walking out, they had one of those little machines that you've seen popping up and it says, how was your experience? And it had a green button and a red button. And you just tap one on your way out the door. That in itself is an amazing, easy way to get feedback. You know, if you put one of those at the at the door to ever to the exit for every single session, um, imagine the amount of feedback that you would get just from a simple button. Now, this goes to you know someone who's never done a deep dive into their data, so they don't have anything to compare to. Think of the information that they've never had that now they do. People walking out are hitting this button, and they now know that eighty percent of the people really love this one session, yet. 80% of the people hated this other session. Right off the bat, that's actionable stuff. You can go back and you can say, you know what? Yeah, the, the speaker that they all hated was the CEO. Uh, we, got a, we, need to, we need to get them to change up his routine for next year. If it's someone you have to bring back. If it's someone that you don't have to bring back, you know maybe they aren't the best choice to be educating your attendees if 80% of the people didn't dig the session. And that's just something as simple as a little button. And people will do those types of things. Another oft-forgotten way of gathering data is old fashioned, right? Ask them. As people are exiting, have a small team of people out there that can actually just grab quick snippets from, from the people that are walking out. Again, that's the old walking through the mall and the customer research survey person is, is tracking you down. But, it, but again, simple little things, especially if you don't have a budget and you really do want to know, that's an, a great easy way to do it. And that goes back to surveys at the end of the conference. You get those into the hands of people as soon as possible. You know, actually, even even most apps now, I'm a huge fan of Attendify. The price point is great for small and medium-sized associations, but they even offer surveys in each of the sessions. So you can actually ask those questions. And humans are amazingly lazy. You know, maybe they won't do it 
two minutes after the session. But if you, in a reminder email, if once that conference is over, if you ask people to, hey, you know, if you attended a session, please go in and, and tell us a little bit about your experience. Um, you know, people will be apt to, apt to do that. You know, I love doing that for, for, for me personally, when I'm on the bus coming back from O'Hare or whatever, and I'm in, I'm in the cab or in the Uber, I'll, sure, I'll pop in there and answer a few questions. Why not? And we've all seen this with apps now. You actually see location-based notifications pop up on your phone. Why not set that as location-based? When you know that someone is departing the area and they've crossed, they've crossed whatever geofencing you've put in place for your app or whatever it happens to be, once they cross that line, send them the link for the survey. Because now you know that they have downtime, their brain isn't thinking about the event or the conference because now they're, they're on their way home it sort of automatically triggers that way. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, and because it's automatically triggering, you can actually put links, things like that. You can, you can do things like that and send people to that survey when they're going to be thinking about it. But again, you know, everything that we're talking about comes back to, you have to have the time to analyze it. This is one of the most hard and cruel things to say to anyone is I say to my son, who's, you know, picking up the bass guitar now is you have to make the time. Right, you're you're not going to learn to play the bass guitar by leaving it sitting in the corner of your bedroom. Even if it's 20 minutes a day, most planners, when you when you let them know, you know, just schedule three times a week, 30 minutes, when you're actually going to go in and look at that data, figure out what it is you want to accomplish, and then actually start diving into the data. Even if you aren't doing beacons and all these crazy things that cost a ton of money, if, even if you're just sending out marketing emails about your conference, that's a treasure trove of data about them. You know, you can know how many times they've opened that email, how many times they've clicked on links, what links they've clicked on, how they're interacting with that. And that in and of itself is a huge amount. Is the level of tech offerings at a venue or a destination something planners should consider? Like, should they be seeking out a smart city uh, like Columbus or like uh, one with a lot of tech companies like Seattle? Planners need to start looking for the destinations and the venues that will actually support the type of data gathering that they want to do, but that doesn't cost them a million dollars, right? I can go in, I can pick any conference center in the United States, and it's a 50-50 shot on whether the internet's going to be free for my attendees. In order to make these changes, we have to make the change and start looking for the venues and in the destinations as a whole. You know, you would think that Silicon Valley would be the most connected places. Well, kind of it is and it isn't. It's still going to cost you a fortune if you want internet in certain venues out there. You have to start looking for those hotels and those venues that are going to support the things that you do. To speak further on the topic of event venues and technology, we spoke with Mark Cooper, CEO of the International Association of Conference Centers, which represents almost 400 venues worldwide. His organization produces the Meeting Room of the Future report, which surveys meeting professionals about trends and the evolution of how events are run. A major theme this year was that planners are looking to expand their tech usage, with a notable increase in the percentage of meetings integrating new technology, such as projection mapping and audience participation tools. We spoke to Mark about what planners are interested in from a tech standpoint and how venues and destinations are responding. So this research is about helping identify which technologies are going to continue to be used and popular in the future. And one example of a, you know, um, how technology has evolved from a hardware perspective and venues are embracing this is we used to have this 
trade-off between natural daylight in meeting rooms versus clear screens. So open the curtains and you put up with not being able to see the screen so clearly, shut the curtains and people's health and well-being is affected. They don't want to be in rooms without natural daylight. But LCD technology in terms of flat panel screens you know, has um, improved significantly. So now we're seeing venues that are changing and investing in the technologies to allow the best of both worlds because health and well-being is really important. As we've seen technologies evolve, and become better at opening up those channels for two-way collaboration with with attendees. We've also seen, as they um, increased in terms of number, the challenges that come with areas such as cybersecurity. And cybersecurity is something that the industry is very aware of. And we have seen evidence in this research that meeting professionals will discount and discredit technologies if they can't give them the confidence that they can be used safely and they do not increase their risks so it's not automatically accepted that a technology will be included within a conference if they don't have the credentials that that deliver the safety aspect as well yeah so safety and security are are priorities in in that area just as they are in the physical area too absolutely right we also have seen though those tools that are you know such as conference apps and of course the audience participation tools that have absolutely evolved and we have just come away from our own European conference this weekend that we held in Brussels and an example of where we are using technology to greater effect now would be for instance through the audience polling what's great around areas such as creating word clouds where you know at certain points during the days we can assess the feelings of our delegates very succinctly and very simply at any point you know are they feeling energized are they feeling inspired are they feeling tired what what is their sense of a feeling around a certain topic word clouds are very good at doing that and the ability to poll effectively now very simply because you know, again, all generations that are participants at conferences are looking to communicate through their smartphones. You know, they're not looking at the platforms. They want to use their phones. So browser-based audience participation is something that they will adopt and a great percentage will, will actually get involved. But also when we consider you know, what that brings, apart from the ability just to be able to ask and get questions from our audience, polling is very specific in terms of reducing the risk of our delegates being influenced by others. But we're becoming better at, for instance, sharing the results from a poll or a survey when and only when the majority of the room have given their views. So again, they're not being led by the opinions of others. And that's really important for the, you know, for the credibility of, of anything that we ask our audiences to participate in that regard. So they're becoming smarter, becoming easier to manage. Our presenters are embracing the use of these technologies a lot more than I've ever seen in the past. There's a lot more acceptability that we got to use these tools to be able to involve our attendees more in the discussion. 
getting more comfortable with using this technology, getting kind of more creative or, or smarter about it. What about making it more actionable as they're gathering all this data, whether from polls or surveys or things like this, and they're, they're able to sort of gather a lot of information about the attendees. Are they able to apply it as well? Being actionable comes from the premise that you are included and you are part of the discussion. Even if you are one of 85 people that participate in a poll that then leads to a conversation around something, you feel that that's your discussion and and the ownership is very different than somebody who just delivers their opinion of what's important. So I would say action comes from ownership and participation and what these tools allow our audience to do very effectively is have a say. So as an example, I ran a, a session, not a large session, but I asked out of the six topics that we could cover and would cover in the hour, which ones were they more challenged with or would like to expand upon? And at the beginning of that session, they could vote. So that allowed me to understand where we needed to focus more time and attention and energy in the total areas. What we consider is with this multi-platform approach to having a discussion, the way we capture and disseminate, whether it's in a hybrid situation or whether it's post-event, um, uh, in terms of the follow-up that, that we provide, you, we have to move off very traditional platforms, which were slim, simply to provide PDFs of speakers' slide decks. Well, that doesn't capture the poll and it doesn't capture the discussion. So, you know, as we look forward, I would imagine that we will become a lot better at developing software and developing technology that captures both the information that's disseminated, but also the interaction a lot better, um, whether that's through you know, regular live streaming or simulcasting simul and some of those other technologies, chatbots, online gaming, got some good examples of, of software like Kahoot that really are starting to influence the meeting and conference industry as well as more traditional schools and learning environments. As, as these come in and layer, and provide different ways for us to be able to capture and communicate to our audience, both at the event, after the event, and those that are joining remotely, then we're going to be a lot more effective and get much more value out to our meetings that we put on. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much, Mark. I appreciate you taking the time to chat. This has been very interesting. It's my pleasure. Always glad to contribute. That's our show for today. Thanks again for listening. And thanks again to today's sponsor, Visit Seattle. Ranked number one city for tech and innovation by CNBC and home to Microsoft, Amazon, Zillow, and Expedia, it's an ideal destination for tech industry events or finding new tech tools for your events. Learn why Seattle was named the nation's fastest growing tech hub by CBRE and how that can benefit your meeting or event at visitseattle.org backslash meetings.